Welcome to the Kitchen Survival Guide podcast. My name is Danielle, and we are a community of professional cooks, food service workers, home cooks, and foodies alike, all bonding together with the common goal of culinary education. The Kitchen Survival Guide podcast offers a free culinary-based curriculum that covers a variety of topics like food safety and sanitation, basic knife skills, cooking techniques, kitchen equipment, food science, food culture, menu planning, butchery, culinary history, and so much more. So join us as we dive into the endless knowledge that the culinary world has to offer and discover how it has shaped our world today. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Kitchen Survival Guide. I figured we would do a little a little special about Halloween. And what's more related to Halloween than Halloween candy? So we're gonna dive right in. <laughs> what exactly is Halloween? And why did we start knocking on strangers' doors and asking for candy? Like, seems kind of weird, right? So, according to the book, Cuisine and Culture, A History of Food and People by Linda Civitello, Halloween and All Saints Day are examples of how the Catholic Church used a pagan festival to reinforce Christianity. Halloween began in Ireland as Samhain, a celebration of the New Year. This ancient festival was based on folk beliefs that the souls of the dead wander the earth until they are put to rest. The best way to counteract these goblins is to make yourself look like them, a form of sympathetic magic. Christians renamed it All Hallows' Eve. Hallow is from the Old English word hallig, meaning holy as in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name. The een part of Halloween is short for evening. Centuries later in America, the symbol most often associated with Halloween became a squash native to the Americas, the pumpkin. Huge, round, and orange, and it ripens in October. Hollowed out with scary shapes carved into the shell and a lighted candle inside, it becomes a jack-o'-lantern, a phantom waving a light. Children roam at night, ringing doorbells, playing pranks, like covering the houses and the shrubbery of unsuspecting neighbors with toilet paper, and demanding candy and other treats or they'll play more tricks. Hence, trick or treat. Some Christians do not celebrate Halloween because of its pagan origins. And in Catholic countries, the two days after Halloween, All Saints Day and All Souls Day, are holy days. In Mexico, they are called Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos. In the Middle Ages, it was common practice for beggars to go door-to-door during All Hallowtide to ask for a soul cake. It is considered the practice that led to our modern trick-or-treating traditions and was considered a Christian tradition that we called souling. At the time, people believed that the souls of the dead were not able to reach heaven unless enough people prayed for the souls to be released from purgatory. Typically, children or poor beggars would go door-to-door offering a prayer for the homeowner's deceased family members for soul cakes or money or even ale. Soul cakes usually contained currants and spices such as nutmeg, ginger, and cinnamon, and they were marked with a cross to denote its Christian roots. In the mid-19th century, the Irish brought the celebration of All Hallows' Eve to North America, which included the ubiquitous mischievous acts that the holiday was known for. However, individually wrapped and manufactured chocolate didn't actually become commercially available until the 1970s. By the 70s, it was considered the only acceptable item to give out at Halloween due to parent safety concerns over items that weren't commercially produced and individually sealed to prevent tampering. 
Since candy has for almost 50 years now been correlated so intrinsically with Halloween, it's really difficult to imagine that a century ago, the traditions of Halloween and trick-or-treating were very different than they are now. Trick-or-treating was mainly an American tradition, and the costumes, ringing doorbells, and the collection of candy only appeared for the first time in the United States in the late 1930s. On a national scale, it didn't become a widespread tradition until the late 1940s, although candy was not the not the treat most trick-or-treaters actually received. Usually they would get coins, fruit, nuts, cookies, cakes, or toys. It wasn't until the late 1950s that Kool-Aid and Kellogg's began advertising their products as Halloween loot. And Brock's once advertised chocolate-covered peanuts that had no support posed correlation to Halloween in late October. Prior to trick-or-treating, Becoming a synonymous tradition with Halloween, candy had no role in the holiday. Nowadays, it is regarded as almost the essence of Halloween itself. But in the earlier part of the century, children, mainly young boys, the Halloween holiday was the one night that they could, that the communities would tolerate pranks. And most were smart or playful, while others could be just downright destructive. The youth would target mailboxes, fences, streetcars, and gravestones. They would teepee trees, smash pumpkins, release livestock, or even light fires. And communities eventually tried to turn Halloween into a less mischievous occasion by holding parades or costume contests. The idea of the holiday was long regarded as a night for causing mischief, not collecting candy or giving gifts. Most candy giving was already correlated with other holidays like Christmas. Those who were not playing pranks were often celebrating at Halloween parties, and these Halloween festivities often had menus or decorations surrounding seasonal fruits, such as pumpkins and apples, popcorn, popcorn balls, and fudge. Over the past few years, Japan has actually been steadily employing Halloween traditions and it has really grown in popularity. It began with cosplay, which led to decorations and special treats. However, trick-or-treating is one of the American traditions adopted in Japan that doesn't really appear very often. It is usually practiced during the day in main shopping districts or malls. And surprisingly, it's also practiced at the Yamaguchi Gumi headquarters, which is one of the largest Yakuza clans in Japan. The Yakuza clan is notorious for its organized crime, and members have been distributing Halloween candy at the headquarters in Kobe since 2013. Clan members would lure children to enter the location with bribes of candy and Halloween fun. Yamaguchi Gumi has now been legally forbidden from distributing candy to trick-or-treaters. Kit Kat bars launched in 2000 in Japan, and more than 300 flavors of Kit Kats are sold there. Some are very intriguing, like wasabi, purple sweet potato, butter, and chili. And a limited edition Sublime Gold Bar was also sold as a single dark chocolate stick with gold leaf coating that costed approximately 16 US dollars. And another fun fact, apparently you can actually pair wine with candy. So if you have a dry white wine like a, an Alberino, a Pinot Grigio, or a Sauvignon Blanc, you can pair it with gummies. 
A sweet white wine like a Riesling or a Moscato pairs really well with Starburst. A rich white like a Viognier or a Chardonnay pairs well with Milk Duds. A sparkling wine or champagne or sparkling rosé pairs well with Nerds. A light red wine like Gamay or Pinot Noir pairs really well with Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And a medium red like Tempranillo San... Sangiovese, I do not drink wine, pardon me. <laughs> and Zinfandel uh, can be paired with Twix or a bold red like a Malbec, a Syrah, or Cabernet Sauvignon can be paired with M&Ms. Or any dessert wine like a port or a sherry can be paired with any Halloween candy. Who's boozing this COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic Halloween? Holy... So I was curious what the most popular Halloween candies are because there are some Halloween candy that I would never even touch as a kid. <laughs> so according to USA Today, Halloween candy ranked as the most popular brands in America are as follows. Number one is Hershey's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Number two is Mars M&M's. Number three is Mars Snicker Bars. Number four is Hershey's Chocolate. And number five is Nestle's Kit Kat. Half of the states in America prefer chocolate, whereas the other half tend to prefer candy. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups were named the most popular candy in the United States according to an October 2019 poll by Monmouth University, wherein it was discovered that 36% of Americans prefer peanut butter. The most popular brands of Halloween candy tend to be the classics. Today, when it comes to Halloween candy, a number of the most popular brands are enduring classics. And according to data from candystore.com in September of 2019, Americans purchase on average 3.3 million Skittles each Halloween. Skittles are also the most popular in California. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups came in second on candystore.com data with a total of 3 million pounds, the most beloved in the state of Texas. Discontinued Halloween treats include Brock's Dembones, Chicken Dinner Candy Bar, Hershey's S'mores, Cookies and Cream Twix, Astro Pops, Nestle Wonder Balls, and Almond and Dark Chocolate M&Ms. Chocolate makes up about three quarters of a trick-or-treater's loot, according to the National Confectioners Association. So what's going on this year with this whole COVID-19 pandemic? Are people going out? Are you staying home? What are you doing? What are you doing for Halloween? Let me know. Head over to the Kitchen Survival Guide Facebook group and let us know. What are you doing for Halloween? And what's your favorite food to eat at Halloween? I want to know that too. So due to the COVID-19 pandemic, I have seen a multitude of posts online of people who are trying to make their own like mechanical Halloween candy dispensers, which is pretty cool. I'll give them that. I'm just, I'm hoping everyone is being safe in doing so. And in the 2019, um, in 2019, the National Retail Federation actually discovered that 68% of Americans participate in Halloween. And 69% of those plan to buy candy, which is almost 47% of the entire U.S. population. I would provide you with, like, Canadian statistics or other places around the world. But, hey, trick-or-treating is where, you know, it started in the U.S. 
and apparently we don't do studies like this at all in Canada. So this is all the information that we can find. So the 69% of those plan to buy candy, which is almost 47% of the entire U.S. population, and professionals are unsure how the COVID-19 pandemic will affect Halloween candy sales, but 70% of Party City respondents plan to seek alternatives to traditional trick-or-treating. However, it could also cause a surplus of people consuming Halloween candy at home. 38% of moms in the Party City survey claim to be planning to purchase candy for their own children for Halloween instead of trick-or-treating. During the eight weeks prior to Halloween, consumers spend $4.6 billion on confectionery products on average, according to the NCA. In 2020, sales have been higher than ever, with chocolate sales rising 4.5% since the United States went into lockdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic back in March. Wow, you guys eat a lot of chocolate during quarantine. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. I need to go buy some chocolate. <laughs> Despite the pandemic, 148 million consumers still plan to participate in Halloween this year, according to the National Retail Federation's annual survey. Spending is expected to decrease by 8.3% in 2020, down to a measly $8.05 billion compared to $8.78 billion in 2019. However, those individuals who will participate say they will actually end up spending probably 6.8% more. In 2019, the average spend was $86.27, and those who say they'll celebrate Halloween this year expect to spend an average of $92.12. Those participating say they plan to decorate their homes, 53% of them, carve pumpkins, about 46%, and dress up their pets. 18% of you Americans are dressing up your pets. Halloween's popularity can be contributed to the fact that it is considered a relatively cheap holiday, especially since Thanksgiving and Christmas can often be very, very expensive holidays. And in the holiday season surrounding Thanksgiving and Christmas, the industry sees tens of billions of dollars spent by consumers, though that may also be different this year due to COVID-19. But in general, consumers are usually still willing to spend money even when they're in financial crisis if it provides a lot of value, and holidays tend to do just that. Now let's talk about individual candies. So Starburst are apparently the most popular in Texas, which I thought it was Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. So there's some there's some conflicting statistics here, America. You do a lot of studies on weird stuff and you provide different studies on different things with different outcomes. So this is what we got. <laughs> apparently, Starbursts are the most popular in Texas. And overall, Starburst is a candy that battled the competition among all states including Iowa, North Dakota, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, all prefer Starburst. Starburst is owned by Mars Incorporated, and the Chewy Treats were first introduced to the UK in 1960 with the name Opal Fruits. The candy was launched later in the decade elsewhere under the new name of Starburst. Hershey's Milton Hershey was a marvel to the world of chocolate. He was able to produce an affordable chocolate product for average Americans as opposed to chocolate products being considered a luxury item for the elite. 
In the 1900s, Hershey built Hershey, Pennsylvania, a small town around the Hershey's factory. Harry Burnett Reese was a dairyman for the Hershey Company and moved to the town of Hershey, Pennsylvania in 1917. Reese was inspired by Hershey and experimented with candy making in his basement. Reese eventually built a factory in the 1920s where he began manufacturing peanut butter cups using Hershey's chocolate, which were invented in 1928. Due to the sugar rations and the unavailability of certain ingredients during the Second World War, Reese focused his manufacturing specifically to the company's most popular product, peanut butter cups. By 1963, Hershey acquired the H.B. Reese Candy Company. The first Hershey's milk chocolate bar was produced in 1900, and Hershey's Kisses launched in 1907. Kit-Kat chocolate wafers are also a popular choice among several states, including Nevada, Washington, Hawaii, and Illinois. And in 1935, the Kit-Kat bar was first sold in England under the name of Roundtree's Chocolate Crisp, and by 1937 was named the Kit-Kat Chocolate Crisp. The Kit-Kat, or Kit-Kat Club, was a literary and political group in London in the late 18th century. The name is thought to have been derived from the abbreviated name of the owner of a shop where the group first assembled. Nestle acquired the Kit-Kat brand in 1988. Nestle was known for its Nestle Crunch Bar, which appeared in the late 1930s. Surprisingly, the inside of Kit Kats aren't actually just wafers covered in chocolate. They're actually recycled Kit Kat bars. So during production, the workers workers will remove any bars with like off-center wafers or like ones that aren't shiny enough, and they'll grind them down into a paste and they get used into future bars. Circus peanuts. So I had no clue what a circus peanut was prior to this. I've never seen one. I've never eaten one. They are a marvel, and they look absolutely (laughs) disgusting. (laughs) But circus peanuts, for those of you who don't know, are an orange peanut-shaped marshmallow candy that tastes like bananas, apparently, and is specifically popular in New Hampshire. A theory of its history goes back to the 19th century, and it is more than likely a product made to mimic the circus candy and peanut offerings at the Big Top. Some believe circus peanuts were the first penny candy, and if your circus peanuts are ever stale, apparently a quick hack is you can microwave them for 8 to 10 seconds so they'll get squishy again. (laughs) Why wouldn't you just throw them out? (laughs) They, They look stale and disgusting in the first place. If you've never seen a circus peanut, honestly, Google it and look at a picture because they look gross. So, Mars bars. Frank Mars launched the Milky Way bar in 1923, which was meant to resemble the taste of the popular malted milkshake of the 1920s. In 1930, Mars launched the Snickers bar, which was supposedly named after his favorite racehorse that had recently passed away. Snickers was raised on the Mars family farm in Tennessee called the Milky Way. In 1932, Mars launched the Three Musketeers bar, which was originally named such since it contained chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry candy. But due to the sugar, vanilla, and strawberry shortage during World War II, the Three Musketeers developed a focus on chocolate. 
Forrest Mars, Frank's son, joined the Mars company and left after a falling out with Frank. Forrest eventually moved to England and invented the Mars bar in the 1930s. In 1941, Forrest launched M&Ms after partnering, partnering with Bruce Murray in anticipation of the worldwide cocoa shortage during World War II. M&Ms is an acronym for Mars and Murray. Bruce Murray was the son of an executive at the Hershey's company, and the partnership was a way to ensure a sufficient amount of ingredients for production during the war. Now, every eight hours, two billion M&Ms are produced from Mars's New Jersey factory, which is approximately four million M&Ms per minute, and that is equivalent to enough M&Ms being made each day to fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Oh boy, that's a lot of M&M's. <laughs> um, there wasn't a whole lot about Toblerone. I do, I like Toblerone quite a bit. But apparently to cut costs, Toblerone reduced the weight of two chocolate bars sold in the UK, which resulted in a resounding disappointment and mockery of its triangle shape. It seems to be doing fairly well, though. I think people like that one. Reportedly... The marshmallow candy production of Peeps has been shut down due to the pandemic and there will be no more Peeps in production for Halloween this year. Which is news to me because I didn't know they, ma they made like actual pumpkin shaped Peeps. This is new to me. So now I'm sad even though I don't like them because I didn't know that they were a thing. <laughs> Apparently, before automation, it used to take 27 hours to make one peep. Why did they ever bother? <laughs> but apparently, it's all good because after automation, it only takes six minutes, resulting in the Pennsylvania factory being able to manufacture 5.5 million peeps a day. Thank God. <laughs> oh my. I do not love peeps. So, the one with the most information, surprisingly, was candy corn. Maybe because it's the oldest candy? I don't know. Anyway, so the yellow, orange, and white candy was invented by George Renninger, a candy maker from Wonder, Wonderl or Wonderly Candy Company in Philadelphia in 1922. The candy corn was originally referred to as chicken feed due to its kernel shape and marketing geared toward farming communities. Jelly Belly, which used to be called the Golitz Confectionery Company, was the main producer of candy corn by 1898. Its main ingredients include sugar, corn syrup, and wax that is heated, molded, and colored. There are other varieties of candy corn as well that are different colors and marketed for holidays like Easter and Valentine's Day. Candy corn is one of the least favorite Halloween treats among consumers. However, it's apparently one of the most popular ones in Michigan. CandyStore.com's 13 years of candy sales data claims that candy corn is the number one contender, with Starburst and Skittles being the second and third favorite choices in Michigan. CandyStore.com also claims that Blow Pops are Ohio's favorite, followed by M&M's, and Illinois prefers Sour Patch Kids and Kit Kats, and Indiana prefers Starburst and Hot Tamales. Candy corn is considered one of the least favored candies in the United States, and according to 
CandyStore.com, the second least favorite candy is Peanut Butter Kisses, followed by Circus Peanuts, big surprise, Wax Coke Bottles, Smarties, Necco Wafers, Tootsie Rolls, Mary Janes, and Good and Plenty. Licorice is considered to be the last in the top 10 worst Halloween candies. I agree. (laughs) Although candy corn is seen as a Halloween staple, it only grew in popularity within the agriculture industry, where other confectioners were marketing similar candies shaped like turnips, chestnuts, and pumpkins. Candy corn being referred to as chicken feed established the popular opinion of the era era that only the poor consumed corn. Candy corn was considered penny candy and as a result grew in popularity, but it wasn't always associated with Halloween. In 1951, a grocery store marketed it as the candy all children love to nibble on all year long. Whereas an ad in 1957 by Brock implied it to be a summer candy. Clearly, its autumn colors and the growing association of candy corn with the fall harvest made it a festively colored fall favorite. If Brock's alone laid out all of the candy corn kernels it sells annually, the kernels would wrap around the globe 4.25 times. Why are we making so many if nobody likes them? (laughs) After a bag of candy corn is opened, it can reasonably last for three to six months. One serving of approximately 30 pieces of candy corn contains 140 calories, which is the equivalent of three fun-sized Hershey bars. Annually, approximately 35 million pounds of candy corn are manufactured, according to the National Confectioners Association, which is equal to nearly 9 billion candy corn kernels. Wow. Although most people refer to these candies as Smarties, they are actually called rockets, and they have a semi-Canadian origin. The first candies were manufactured in England after World War I using repurposed gunpowder pellet m- machines, and a man by the name of Edward D. immigrated to New Jersey in the 1940s, continuing to manufacture the candies, then pursued Canadian production in Toronto in 1963. By 1988, the factory was moved to Newmarket, where over a billion candies are made per year. Although the candies are called Smarties in the United States, we refer to them as Rockets to avoid confusion with Nestle's Smarties, which, if you don't know what those are, they're very similar to M&M's, but they're made with a a lighter, like, milk chocolate. And they're definitely not hard, chalky candy discs, which are... Some people like them. I've I've never loved them. When someone mentions chocolate kisses, we often think of the little, like, teardrop-shaped chocolates wrapped in foil, but molasses kisses are actually squares wrapped in Halloween-colored wax paper and tend to have mixed reviews among Canadians. Kurz is a Canadian company, a candy company, founded by Scottish immigrants in 1895, and the company released molasses kisses in 1940. The ingredients contain corn syrup, sugar, and molasses, but it is vegan, gluten-free, kosher, and halal. And molasses kisses have become a staple Canadian Halloween candy due to its retro packaging and nostalgic taste. Licorice among consumers, red licorice seems to be the most favorable. 
um, more than the original black licorice, but only black licorice contains actual licorice extract. The strawberry version is basically just strawberry flavor and corn syrup. The licorice plant's history can be traced through Egypt, Rome, Southern Asia, and the Middle East. England, however, is where the licorice root was extracted and turned into sweets. Wax soda bottles were invented as a quippy follow-up for wax lips. These candies are now produced by Tootsie Roll Industries and are known as Nick Nickel Lip Nickel Nips, which refers to its original price of a nickel and the nipping of the bottle top to drink the liquid. It is also perhaps derived from the expression nip of whiskey as they were invented during the Prohibition era. The first official bubble gum was invented in 1928 by Walter E. Dimer, who was a Fleer company accountant. Dimer happened upon a failed recipe by the company's founder and fiddled with it until finally inventing double bubble. It is pink because the factory only had pink food coloring at the time, and the bubble gum became an instant success, especially with the earliest versions that contained comic strips. Due to the scarcity of latex and sugar during World War II, production of Double Bubble paused from 1942 to 1951. Man, I used to love those little comics so much. They were so cute. <laughs> William W. Kolb, a candy store owner in New Jersey, was experimenting with a red cinnamon Christmas candy in 1908. Kolb dipped apples in the cinnamon candy mixture and displayed it in the candy shop window to sell for a nickel. The popularity of the treat exploded and were soon sold at circuses and other shops along the Jersey Shore. However, candy apples are distinctly different from caramel apples, which have an entirely different lineage and invention story. Caramel apples arrived when an employee at Kraft Foods named Dan Walker was experimenting with leftover melted caramels from Halloween in 1950. Also, I'm, so I'm going to make a post about this, right, in the in the Facebook group for Kitchen Survival Guide. I also want you to comment not only what your favorite Halloween candy is, but how you say caramel. Is it caramel? 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 <laughs> there, there's so many variations. I, I never even know what the right one is to use or say. <laughs> in the UK... Apparently, you can buy Twix spread, and it's like it's like a Nutella spreadable that has chocolate caramel and crunchy pieces of biscuit. So, the Curtis Candy Company reformulated their candy cake confection in 1921 and named it Baby Ruth after Babe Ruth, the baseball player. Babe Ruth licensed his name for another chocolate bar in 1926, and the candy company claimed that it would cause confusion and claimed to have named the candy bar after Ruth Cleveland, the late daughter of President Cleveland, who died of diphtheria in 1904. The courts agreed that Babe Ruth could not pursue legal action towards the Curtis Candy Company as a result, even though it was unlikely that they had named it after Ruth Cleveland. <laughs> Invented by the anti-smoking advocate Edward Haas II, Pez were marketed as mints to help smokers quit smoking. The candy's slogan in the 1920s was smoking prohibited, pezzing allowed. <laughs> Sounds like vaping or something. The word Pez is supposedly derived from the German word for peppermint, 
Pfeffersmans. I hope I said that right. Pardon to any German speakers out there. Dots gumdrops are gluten-free and vegan-friendly as well, and they are also one of the most pervasive candies on the market, with more than 4 billion Dots gumdrops being produced each year. In World War II, American soldiers were given Tootsie Rolls in their field rations for quick energy and to last through any weather conditions. United States and United Nations troops in Korea put out a call for Tootsie Rolls in 1950, which was at the time a code name for mortar shells. And when the box was airdropped to the troops, they opened it to discover Tootsie Roll candies, which actually proved to be quite useful with you know, its consistency, and they were used to patch holes in vehicles and equipment as well as being good to eat. Each day, 64 million Tootsie Rolls are produced. Apparently, to reach the center of a Tootsie Pop, it takes a licking machine approximately 364 to 411 licks. Why do we have these things? Shouldn't we be dedicating our time to things other than machinery made for licking Tootsie Pops? Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Let me gather myself here. This is too much, you guys. Too, too much. So typically, kids prefer to trick-or-treat at the houses that give out the full-size candy bars or a pop, which some people also call soda. And they avoid going to houses that give out weird stuff like, you know, that one house that always gives out like dental floss or apples or something whereas the rest of the people usually give out fun-sized treats which are conveniently packaged as you know a variety box of many treats and they tend to be a lot more affordable the curtis candy company began marketing buddy and junior sizes of baby ruth's and butterfingers as early as the 1930s shortly after hershey's attempted to market miniature candy bars in 1939 Mars did not introduce junior-sized candy bars until the 1960s, whereafter it shortly began to halt production of its junior sizes to release a slightly larger, fun-sized version, specifically marketed to Halloween consumers. The idea was obviously favorable among consumers, and competitors began calling their junior products fun size as well. Mars tried to sue the Curtis Candy Company and lost the battle. However, Mars does actually still have a trademark on the phrase fun size. Eating 262 fun-sized Halloween candy bars would poison a 180-pound person, according to the American Chemical Society. However, it's actually physically impossible to consume that many candy bars without vomiting it all back up. Due to the forever increasing safety concerns of Halloween, daylight savings time began to play a role in the holiday. Daylight savings time was extended from the last Sunday of October to the first Sunday of November instead. Not only was it intended to be safer for the children, it was also of interest to candy manufacturers trying to market more candy, according to NPR. Michael Downing, the author of Spring Forward, The Annual Madness of Daylight Savings Time, stated, For 25 years, candy makers have wanted to get trick-or-treat covered by daylight saving, figuring that if children have an extra hour of daylight, they'll collect more candy. 
In fact, they went so far during the 1985 hearings on daylight savings as to put candy pumpkins on the seat of every senator, hoping to win a little favor. Although the attempts to extend daylight savings in 1985 were not successful, the Energy Policy Act of 2005 succeeded, and by 2007, it was extended. The average American child eats between 3,500 and 7,000 calories, which is a similar caloric intake to 13 Big Mac burgers, according to Donna Arnett, the head of the Department of Epidemiology at University of Alabama's Birmingham School of Public Health. Arnett claims that kids who eat this amount of calories would need to walk for 44 hours or play basketball for 14.5 hours to burn that many calories. Researchers at the University of California, Los Angeles, conducting an animal study, discovered that fructose can actually prohibit the communication between specific neurons and affect memory following an injury. Other tests conducted by scientists of the University of Montreal and Boston College also conclude that consuming too much glucose could result in memory and cognitive deficiencies. Chocolate can be kept for six to eight months after its expiration date if it's kept in the freezer and tightly sealed without being frozen. Milk chocolate is good for almost eight to ten months if stored in a cool, dark, dry place, and dark chocolate can last up to two years. Hard candies, when stored in a cool, dry place, can last for about a year, and soft candies should be stored in a covered dish away from direct heat and light that should be consumed within six months. One of the healthiest Halloween snacks are salted pumpkin seeds. One serving of pumpkin seed contains healthy fats and 9 grams of protein, plus healthy doses of iron, vitamin E, manganese, and zinc. At a quarter cup serving and 180 calories, 14 grams of fat, and 1 gram of sugar, you will burn off this snack with only 52 minutes of trick-or-treating. Happy Halloween! Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Kitchen Survival Guide. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at KSG Podcast and can follow along with all the Kitchen Survival Guide written units, modules, and show notes in our online Kitchen Survival Guide Facebook group or on our website at ksgpodcast.com. We would also love to hear from you. Mail can be sent to ksgpodcast at gmail.com or you can leave us a voice message to be featured on the podcast through the Anchor FM app. Until next time, happy eating. Happy eating.